Welcome to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America is instead of lawyers. And a very pleasant good Saturday to you, Harry Alexander, with you on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. It is a... Uh, it's it's a Saturday here in uh, Tucson, the old Pueblo, and uh, on the other side, oh, the glass, as we like to say, is our good friend uh, and co-host, Mr. Bunkered France. How you doing, sir? I'm just finer than frog, sir, with a froggy voice. You got a froggy voice? I got a froggy voice. I bet you got a story about your uncle Uncle Alvin and frogs, too. I do you? have a frog story. That's I, re- I reckon you do. Kind of, kind of long. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Our guest today is uh, Doug Hawking. He is a. I uh, bet he has a frog story. I'm sure he's got lots of stories. <laughs> he's, yeah, uh, but you don't want to hear it. It's dirty. <laughs> oh, that's the best one. He's what with the. Uh, he's an author with uh, the Western Writers of America, and uh, prolific writer. Tons of books out, and quite the researcher. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the forts and camps of Arizona and presidios and. Presidios and uh, We'll probably get around to talking to uh, talking about uh, t- bunches of them if we possibly hey, have, we, have the. I other. think we can. This thing, I think you could probably do a week of this on yeah. this topic. Oh, no, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, there, there's there's so much. Anyway, if you would like to uh, get involved in our conversation here, have some fun with us. Uh, the number to call <clears throat> is toll free eight four four. Nine zero eight nine three seven eight. That's eight four four nine zero eight West. You can email us at voicesofthewest@gmail.com. Hopefully, you're watching on the YouTube channel, and uh, we don't have a specific address uh, for it. Well, we do, but it's really elongated. So, just do a search at uh, YouTube for Voices of the West, and you'll find us uh, right then, right there. Uh, the radio channel is up and uh, working, and. Uh, hey. All you have to do uh, is just go to VoicesOfTheWest.net and click the radio player, and it'll be right there. You can take it with you wherever you may go. Use your data as opposed to the... What's uh, playing? Uh, well, I don't know what's playing right now, but, uh, oh, what's playing now is us. <laughs> oh, I've got, the, I've got the radio show. You know, what episode is yeah, a great ep- epic? Oh, questions. those, yeah. Well, we have uh, old-time radio theater coming up uh, after this program, about an hour after this program. And uh, it's uh, the uh, adventures of the Cisco Kid in Poncho, oh, and cool. <laughs> and uh, we've got Tales of the Texas Rangers starring uh, Joel McCrae. So that's coming up after this program. Like I said, in about an hour from now. Okay, we are talking emails. I did emails. You did emails. I did. Well, I'm. I'm- yeah, I'm still dealing with the frogs. That, that's okay. Uh, I will tell you that our program is brought to you by Arizona Computer Guru, uh, Zach and Schultz, P, uh, Schmitz, PS, PLC. A lot of it's letters there. You the, say. the print is getting awfully close to the paper these days. <laughs> uh, who else is? Uh, I miss Wilkerson is uh, one of our sponsors, and Tucson Trap and Skeet Club, along with Horsin' Around Rescue. So. And our beautiful studio. And our beautiful, oh yes, the Paul Ash Management Group is uh, also uh, a sponsor of this show. Uh, They host uh, the Voices of the West in uh, their building, so we are in the beautiful Paul Ash Studios. In the VOW studio. In the VOW studios. You got anything, Bunker, that you want to throw out there? Well, I got one little thing, and this is tonight out at Old Tucson at 6 o'clock. They're having an open-air screening of Tombstone which I think is a great idea. I think the timing is kind of 
squirrely though. I mean, they're going to, you know, it's going to be around six, uh, 61 around 6 o'clock. Yeah. But by the time it's over, it's going to be in the low 50s. <laughs> I mean, you better better bring your sleeping bag and a, and a bunch of firewood. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. That's all you I got. Just keep it simple. All feet. right. Doug, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. How about you? We're hanging in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just barely hanging in there. Harry's uh, like the cat on the clothesline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. just hanging in there. Yeah, it, it's, hanging it, in there. it's been a tenuous morning and uh, early he, afternoon. He's having fun with the, <clears throat> the, the devilish uh, devices that he has there. I, I, I'm going to bring my gun next time and shoot the damn computer. If I still gives, think we should do this show on smoke signals. I think it would be so much we, simpler. We may have to at some point in time. <laughs> All right, Arizona forts and the, uh, other forts of the West. There, there were a ton of them around here. And uh, let me back up. Your qualifications, if if you need any, um, you're you're a reenactor, military uh, reenactor from the Civil War period, right? As well as 1880s, and also modern time, real a real soldier. Well, yeah. yeah. Actually, mostly I stay 1860s and before okay. the Civil War, a little simpler time. And reenactor is an interesting. Word. I'd, I'd go more like uh, living historian. I love that word because that's what I used to do. Yeah. Uh, it was living history. Living uh, when history. I did civil, exactly. civil, uh, civil War reenacting, and then uh, I also did piratical reenacting as you know pirate group. When we did Rambo Three, we had a ton of reenactors there, mm-hmm. and I got to tell you, they may know their 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 past period, but doing Afghanistan, <laughs> and we were doing a group. Saddle fallers, like a dozen of us, just charging at the Russians, and they open up on us, and we all go go off, right? And I'm thinking, hmm, I don't want to be in the middle of this mess, so I'm going to get over on the far left because you go you go off to the left. So I said, this will be great. Well, there's, there's a reenactor over. He's one of the group captains, right? And I said, I said, hey. I said, I'm going to be done. We're all doing saddle falls. I'm going to be coming up and say, make sure nobody rides over the top of me. You know, keep keep all these guys off me. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, we do the shot, right? I go off. I never hit the ground. I hit the horse's breast and just rolled me up, and I rolled underneath the horse. Not a mark. He never touched me. And we got all over, and I thought, yeah, you're a big help. You could have killed me, you turkey. And we, we, sent, we sent a half a dozen or more reenactors to the hospital every day. Because they weren't used to this kind of stuff, you know. It was, it, it was interesting. Armchair reenactors, you camped in the field. I mean, in real life as well as uh, in reenactor life, right? Yeah. I mean, come yeah. on. Right? But, you know, we're, hey. we're jumping trenches on horseback, yeah. firing automatic weapons. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of these guys, I think, you know, they were used to like a pistol or, or a sharps or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Oh, I see. You took them out of their element, their century. And that plus they just... The shots were so huge that we would have a couple hundred reenactors uh, as Afghanistanis and a couple, you know, a hundred or so as Russians, and then we had a large stunt contingency. And so, you know, we're talking about here. This is the final battle in the movie. So we're talking about probably three, four hundred people, on, and and a, a big, huge. Uh, helicopter firing rockets and a giant Russian tank rushing through everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was pandemonium. Yeah, we had a uh, we were doing our Civil War event uh, at Fort Taylor in Key West, 
and uh, the uh, there was a, a special forces training facility there, and uh, they always used to like to take the beach. So they said, "Is this a good weekend?" I said, "Well, we're going to have a civil war gathering here, and uh, if you guys don't mind, sure, come on, play." So we've got some rebel pickets out by the beach, <laughs> and here come the Green Berets up onto the beach doing their thing with their M-16s and whatnot, or whatever they were carrying. And they were quite surprised to see some Confederate pickets there. And uh, We got the right beach at the right time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But we, we had a grand time afterwards, everybody showing off everybody else's weapons. And, yeah. Uh, they were most impressed with uh, with the muskets and uh, our, our cap and ball revolvers so. <laughs> and our cannon. Hey, there's, wow. a, there's a Western series there. Cowboy Seals is yep. an old tombstone. I imagine so. All right, let, let's, oh, let, let's get started. Uh, oh, first I have to ask, did you bring bacon? Oh, absolutely. It's out in the car. Okay. Oh. <laughs> for those of you... On the manifold. Yeah. Tell us about that beautiful jacket. Well, wait a second. For the, for the, for the uninitiated, uh, if you're friends with Doug Hawking on Facebook, you will know that uh, the man is the Baconator. And anything and everything having to do with bacon, and uh, we love it. <laughs> it's a gas. <laughs> All right. That, it's fun. That ja- uh, the jacket, sir. Well, you know, Facebook... One of my friends is Martin Knife Chief, Sioux Indian, who is also a reenactor, yeah. living historian. Uh, and I found out from him the name of the maker of the jacket because he posted pictures of work by this guy. I knew the jacket came from Pakistan. Yeah. And he says, oh, I love to order my, my clothing from this guy. And I looked at this and I said, God, this is the exact same style as mine. What's this guy's name? Yasser Arafat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whoa! I thought he was dead. <laughs> Life after death. That's funny. That's funny. That's, That's a great funny. story. All right, Folks. where do, you, where, do you, where shall we start? Do you want to start with the uh, Presidios? Let's do it historically. Uh, go back in time and uh, try and come up to the present uh, Presidios. What they were? Maybe ten in Arizona. Oh, gosh. I, ha- I, ha- I have a listing here someplace. Oh, we've got Tubac and Tucson. And uh, Terranate. Uh, and there was something over Yuma. So Sick. I have the Presidio de Calabasas, which is uh, by Tuma Cockery. Yes. I have, uh, of course, the Presidio San Augustine del Tucson. Tubac. And we have uh, Which was the first? Presidio de San Bernardino. Well, Calabasas would have been oh, before yeah. that. And yeah. then they yeah. moved to Tubac. Yeah. And uh, San Bernardino was down by uh, present-day Douglas, a few miles east of there. We have Tubac. Uh, and uh, you mentioned the Terranate. Where is that? Is that somewhere near Tombstone or was near Tombstone? That's all I've got uh, that I was able to find for Presidios. Spanish settled this area uh, many moons ago, and one of the people that they hired was this guy named Hugh O'Connor. That's a fine Hugo Mexican. Hugo O'Connor. Hugo. Well, I see it Hugh also. There's an O on there, though. Yeah, I know there's an O. O'Connor. Is there a silent O? It, no. How do you pronounce O'Connor in Spanish? 
You see, oh, no. you, see, you see what I have to deal with week after week. Aren't you blessed? <laughs> and each life a little rage. I know. Anyway, a fine Irishman working for the Spanish government, and uh, he's the one who essentially established, well, did establish the uh, uh, Tucson Presidio, as well as a number of others. Uh, did you know the first Presidio at Tucson was a stockade? And then they bit up the stone walls, mm -hmm. the adobe walls. Adobe walls, yeah. 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 They're an interesting concept because they were really little colonies. Yep. And they'd round up the men, usually uh, Indios. Yeah. Uh, teach them a new trade. And teach them a new trade, right? And they, they would send them out with their families. And a lot of times that was the extended family as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. And they'd come up and start farming. And when the guy's hitch was up... He was stranded so far from where he'd come from that he had no choice but to stay and colonize yeah. the area. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's a, yeah, that's, that's a great idea in a way. You know, just think of all the money that the U.S. government could save. You know, you send, the, you send some guys over to Iraq, and then when their tour is over, you just say, guys, find you a hut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then think you would probably uh, start changing the environment around you because you sure as heck wouldn't put up with the stuff that... You know, they be put up as a as active duty. Yeah, Very I've tremendous. got something for you. This oh, is kind of right. neat. This is something that Mark Twain wrote in Roughing It. He says Fort Yuma is probably the hottest place on earth. The thermometer stays at 120 in the shade there all the time, except when it varies and goes higher. <laughs> <laughs> it is a U.S. military post, and it occupies. Occupants get so used to the terrific heat that they suffer without it. There is a tradition that a wicked, wicked soldier died there and, of course, went straight to the hottest corner of perdition. The next day, he telegraphed back for his blankets. <laughs> yeah. Sarah Bowman, the yeah. great western. You know, of course, Fort Yuma is actually in California. Right? Yeah. He was on the West Bank. And she came over to the East Bank and established a hog ranch. Uh, and Sarah Bowman, the great what a, Western. What a great character. The girl oh, was. gosh. Oh, over six feet tall. Yeah. Red, red hair. Red. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. You, you've done some uh, stuff down at uh, uh, Yuma at the Territorial Prison and, and that sort of thing, right? Well, I've, I've been out there. I've spoken out there a oh, few okay. times. Oh, you didn't? Your, your group didn't? You know what's interesting? is the Army Supply Depot that was there in Yuma. It was the largest it supplied Arizona, Nevada, uh, New Mexico, uh, Colorado, and Texas. They kept six months' worth of supplies on hand at all times. <laughs> you imagine how much that is? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we touched on it when we did the show on, on Teamsters, but we didn't didn't get into that detail. But you imagine how big that post had to be? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's you know it's yeah. still there, and you can yeah. go take a look at it. Yeah. It's an interesting and, spot. You know, and that's the thing. That, at that time, it was a seaport from the Baja California. Exactly. Yeah. My yeah. grandmother, got 1906, thereabouts, she tells us, oh, yeah, I went by riverboat to the Grand Canyon. We all looked at her. And, <laughs> you, you were on a paddle wheel boat to the Grand <coughs> yeah. Canyon? Yeah. yeah. And, of course, they ran all the way up to Searchlight, yeah. which yep. is... That's way up the Yeah, because all you need is about that much uh, water. Yeah. They, they, they just skim the surface. Yeah, it doesn't have to draft very much. 18 inches of draft. Oh, that's something. Cool. Mark Twain, you know, that would probably mark a half a minuscule Twain. <laughs> <laughs> well, these, these presidios, 
and fortress for, not fortresses but forts uh, camps and such were established mainly to uh, protect the settlers those who were already there from the bad guys mm-hmm. and in this case uh, for these uh, presidios the bad guys were the Apaches right? for the most part and I think there was some Kiowa in there too and, and maybe who knows sprinkling of this that's an interesting thing because Tubac was established in 1752 in response to the Pima Indian Rebellion Mm -hmm. people forget you know they had a couple of rebellions in New Mexico and it was intended to protect the missions uh, quell further uprisings serve as a base for further exploration of the southwest and yeah yeah well, well, look at Terranate. Terranate's on the San Pedro River, yeah. right between Tombstone and Sierra Vista. Uh, and they had a garrison of, of yeah. 100 men, maybe, which would be large for the year. But they lost something like 80 men between 1775 and mm-hmm. 1780. Oh, yeah. Well, well <laughs> our Revolutionary War and five commanding officers. Yeah. Yep, can't keep a job. Hey, we got it. We're up on we're up on the first first break here. Wow, that yep, went quick. It went it went quick. We are talking with Doug Hawking about uh, forts in Arizona and elsewhere. This is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We will be back with much more right after these very important messages. Do stay tuned. <laughs> Emil Franzi's Voices of the West will be right back. Besides bringing millions a year into this community with national and international events, the Tucson Trap and Skeet Club at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway services the local shooting sports community with a 380-acre site featuring trap, skeet, five stand, and two sporting clays fields, as well as a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, which all is available to local shooters, and soon an archery range. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com or take a drive out west of town and see it for yourself. New members or single-day use, welcome. Wills and Trusts. Which one do you you need. That's where the experience of Zach and Schmidt's PLC comes into play. What we'll usually do with the client is sit down with them and go over their concerns, go over what type of assets they hold, and then give them specific legal advice as to whether a trust makes sense in their specific situation. Let the experience of Zach and Schmidt's guide you through the legal maze of wills and trusts. 520-664-3420 or TucsonEstatePlanning.com Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. You are tuned into VOW Radio. VOW Radio. Welcome back to Emil Franzen's Voices of the West. Then Cochise. And now, the bloodiest Apache of them all, Olsana. We are back right here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. It's a Saturday for us. Hopefully it's a Saturday for you and you're checking us out live 
And I, I came back with, uh, well, I went into our commercial break with um, uh, Gary Owen March, which is a very traditional oh, yes. cavalry uh, ca cavalry march. And uh, uh, I play, came back with Olzana's raid because I thought DeFrance was going to be in here, but he wasn't. He was elsewhere doing something because you I were was, in you, I was in Olzana's raid. That's why I, I stood in for Kirk, uh, Burt Lancaster and a couple other that's people. That's why Bruce I, Davison that's, and Jack, Richard Jekyll. That's why I played it. <laughs> oh, did I miss it? Well, you play missed it again, it. Sam. Play it again, Sam. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> We'll, we'll get we'll get to that uh, at another time. We're talking we're talking with uh, our guest Doug Hawking about forts uh, in Arizona and uh, and elsewhere. You know when we we look at a fort, maybe a lot of people think the uh, the forts out on the east coast, uh, like West Point um, and, and places like that. Those were fortresses. To be sure, yeah. mm -hmm. and those were all part of a specific design. There was the uh, first tier, second tier, and third tier fortresses right. that, that came about. Uh, this was first tier was just as the revolution was going on. Second tier, a little bit after that, and the third tier was really the building of of these magnificent fortresses that came about right after the War of eighteen twelve. And uh, look at uh, the Spanish forts down in Florida. Uh, you know, during the Spanish yeah. colonial period, the fort de San Augustine. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, these were copies of those kinds of things. And those forts, you couldn't blow them down because they were made out of coral or whatever. And yeah, instead yeah. of instead of the shattering when the shell would hit them, it would just absorb it. Well, yeah, and, and they, they, as you said, they were not very easy to um, uh, to uh, to breach. They could be breached, mm -hmm. uh, no question about that. Uh, right, cannon, right placement of a cannonball, and uh, you're right there. You know, <laughs> well, starting in the 17th century, uh, you get into a mathematical concept of fort that's based on the idea that they can't be blown down by cannon. So you have the you know the sloping, yeah, and mm -hmm. interlocking crossfires, yeah. mm -hmm. and this is where you get that arrowhead raveling, mm -hmm. uh, and that's so that they could interlock yeah. all those fires and. Sally ports, and yeah, we see some of that in this country. Uh, a lot of it with the uh, uh, the coastal fortifications. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. them Navy guns, man, them, them boys are shooting 20 yes. and 30 yeah. pounders. Yes, and, they will. And the, the, fortress, well, yeah, the yeah. fortresses can respond with 20 and 30 pounders as well. <laughs> yeah. Or and more. It's like, you know, with the uh, <clears throat> Presidio Tucson de San Augustine, uh, they were 750 feet long, the four walls, and they had the little round. Well, I don't care, ballastage or whatever you call them, the little mm -hmm. things at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Again, like you say, so that they, they could shoot down along so guys couldn't get underneath the guys firing down. Yeah, the, the Torreon. Torreon, yeah. Yeah, and which would have an opening that pointed along the wall so somebody could sit up there and shoot along mm -hmm. the front of the wall. Like the so they couldn't get in. Hmm? Oh, a beautiful building. Yeah. It looks like a big, it looks, look, looks like a, a, a uh, fireplace for a for waste disposal or something. <laughs> we, yeah. get, we get whole different concepts of, of forts between the cavalry, the dragoons, mm -hmm. yep. and the infantry. The I cavalry. Just, yeah, I was just going to mention that. Uh, mm -hmm. We're talking fortresses and forts and camps and whatnot. And uh, I think a lot of people, when they see an old West movie or a Western and, and it's about the cav, they're thinking Fort Apache uh, right away. You know, you know, right. A Woodstock Cater and an adobe yeah. wall. Yeah, yeah. 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 
you know, the, the only adobe wall I know about here was uh, Fort Cummings over at Cook's Canyon north of Deming. Mm-hmm. And that thing was something. Two-story gatehouse, yeah. which is still more or less there. Uh, but old picture of it looks like Fort Zindernoof <laughs> from, from Beaugest, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of these places were... They they were just constructed, and there was no, in some respects, there was no rhyme or reason as to where things were placed or how they were placed, and you didn't have these massive gates at at the frontier forts. It was come on in, boys. <laughs> well, the, the cavalry especially keep yeah. the thing wide open. Yeah, lots of place to graze our horses. Uh, the inspector general came through and looked. And also at, made it harder for the Indians to infiltrate because they had nothing to hide behind. That's right. Well, <laughs> they still did it, but yeah, they stole a ton of horses. They at, at Fort Buchanan, they they talked about the officers traveling at night between mm-hmm. buildings with their yeah. pistol drawn and yeah. cocked, going to the because the Apaches yeah. were there too. Yeah. yeah, but Buchanan was described as looking like a Mexican village <laughs> and not a very well constructed yeah. one. Well, you know. that, that seemed to be the, a lot of the forts in, in real life that the, they, in fact, were settlements. I mean, you had your settler there right. to provide the goods for the, the troops, mostly the liquor. Yeah. <laughs> well, you had the women that washed and cooked. Well, the, 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 those the, 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 ladies, the ladies of Hooker. Yeah. Well, yeah, except that that tradition had been with us. A lot of them us. were married women. And well, yeah, and they were a prize because yeah. they got paid for washing the clothes. Yep. They got quarters at mm. government expense, and they were on government rations. Yeah, and you were authorized one laundress per sixteen men yeah. usually. You know, and what a deal! What That's a deal! And each man paid her, yeah. and each man paid her, and and some of them, you know, paid for her to be a casual wife at night yeah. as well. That reminds me of uh, my my time in Southeast Asia. And the, the hooches. We had, we, is, is, is your missus listening? Yeah, probably. We, and she knows about it. Oh, she was she there. Knows about it. She was there. That's right. Yeah. So you had your own wife. So, yeah, I mean, we had our hooch uh, hooch person. Sometimes it was a guy. Sometimes it was a girl. And they took care of everything. And uh, I imagine for some of the guys, took care of a lot. Yeah. Uh, I was friendly. New, friendly. newly married and... Uh, my wife decided she needed to be with me in the combat zone. So. Let's talk about one of the most famous movie forts and forts in Arizona, Fort Apache. There you go. Okay, which was wide open, looked a lot yeah. like uh, what Camp Verde looks like today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a shame that they've let it get run down. Yeah. But unlike in Rin Tin Tin, yeah. there's no wooden palisade. Yeah. You couldn't find that many pine trees here. <laughs> Not out here in the desert. You'd have, man, you'd have to build it out of Ocotilla. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because in, in 1923, it became the Theodore Roosevelt uh, Indian School. That happened to a lot of the forts. Yeah. You know, Multi-purpose once they, once they outlived their purpose. Well, yeah. the Carlisle Barracks back in uh, Pennsylvania, same thing, right? Became the Indian School. Yeah. 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 And uh, well, how, how about Fort Grant? There you go. That's a perfect example. <laughs> Let's talk about Fort Bowie because your book, The Bascom Affair, yep. takes place right in that area. Where my great-granddad was stationed at one time. Okay, cool. You know, uh, it's founded uh, after the Battle of Apache Pass mm-hmm. in 1862 when Cochise actually deliberately takes on the Army. 
he and Mangus Coloradus, which is something other Apache yeah. leaders just you didn't deliberately mix with the army. Hit and run. Yeah. And the other chiefs are saying, "What's wrong with you, boy?" <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he had an idea. He says they the they, they left. He had the now I'm not going to let them come back. Yeah. yeah. He had the tactical advantage. He had the terrain, you know, and and they were sitting ducks really. Yeah. Because he, they stole they stole their horse herd at one point. Yeah. They just marked 50 miles without water, and where was he hole up? Right over the top of the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. And so, of course, they built the first Mort buoy on the hilltop there overlooking the water. And that had adobe walls. Uh, not, we're not talking uh, scalable walls. You could just step over it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that one had adobe walls. There's still some remnants there. It's a, a national, uh, national Park Service unit. And that is such a neat place because there's so much that oh, went on there. Yeah. The park survey went through there. The Overland Road went through there. The Overland Station was there. Uh, the old graveyard has got O.O. Uh, mm-hmm. o. Spence, Medal of Honor winner, is buried there. And he's the guy that sort of set off the second round of the Apache Wars in 76 mm-hmm. when he got killed. Uh, oh, um you know, and then you've got the the old Fort Bowie and the new Fort Bowie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, the new Fort Bowie, no walls, buildings around the parade ground. It's cavalry design. Yeah. You know, and there's just just remnants left out on there. Yeah. Well, what happens when they abandon the fort? Yeah. Is the local ranchers come in and they go, "Hey, I can use that door." Yeah. I want I these windows, door, man. man. <laughs> yeah. And that then ha- they go for the roof beams. Yeah. That, that <laughs> happened in Fort Lowell. You know, well, they yeah, closed down. Yeah. Trail, that's what happened. They yeah. built one of the most beautiful forts they ever built for a movie. Because it was in Cinerama, so it had to be big and grand, you know, with high stockades and, and <laughs> watchtowers and everything. Re- and, and the buildings were practical in there. And when it's all over, they go they go to the Navajo, we're going to give you know, we are going to give you this fort so that your people can make money off of the movies. Well, within six months, every every stick was <laughs> gone for firewood or whatever building. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that happens at fort after fort here, yeah. and then, sadly, sometime later on, uh, 60s or 80s, <coughs> we had guys go in and bulldoze what was left, and now all you can see is this, mm-hmm. this adobe, the stone foundation. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the uh, treasure hunters would go out there with their metal detectors. Mm-hmm. If they got a beep, they'd dig everything up. Yeah. Well, the, the military at the time, of course, not much has changed. Uh, they just spend all kinds of money establishing these camps and forts. And, uh, oh, it's here for six months. Let's move it on down the road a piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, those kinds of things. I, I mean, the original Fort Lowell in Tucson was set over by... Well, let's see. Tool and Tool, yeah, used, used to be where Tool. the Santa Rita Hotel stood. Uh, well, you know, you know where you know where Tool and Stone meet, yeah. where the new yeah. the new government building yeah. is. That's where the cemetery yeah. was. Yeah. So uh, they established it there. They thought they had enough water from the Santa Cruz, probably not. So they found uh, over in the. Emil Franzi's Voices of the West will be right back. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. 
They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. Contact the Polash Management Company today at polashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Polash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Hi, this is Joe Montaigne. Every time my Uncle Willie tells me about his service in Patton's Third Army in World War II, I'm reminded of what we owe the U.S. Army. Fourteen generations of American soldiers who have courageously defended our nation. Their stories represent the best of America and should never be forgotten. Join me to help build the National Museum of the United States Army, a long overdue tribute to all American soldiers. To learn more, visit armyhistory.org. Hello? I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horses Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horses Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horses Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horses Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horsesaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horsesaroundrescue.org. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I just love these uh, new automation systems. <laughs> this is uh, Emil Franzi's voice. Like it. It, cut, it cut the Charles Perel theme short. No, yeah, no, that was you. It was only sixteen seconds anyway. Oh, okay. So I have to play the High Chaparral theme for those of the uninitiated because uh, uh, Bunker was in uh, way too many that I can remember <laughs> out at Old Tucson. So we are talking with Doug Hawking about Arizona Forts on this edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Our phone number, if you'd like to get in touch with us, is 844-908-WEST, 844-908-93 and 78. We are a call-in show. Yes, we are a call-in call show. In. And we're also on the YouTube, so you can post a question there if you want or a comment, and uh, we'll figure out what's going on there. You can send cards and letters and send, money, yeah, checks. Yeah, you know. you, any of that. We're, we're always happy to accept that stuff. Checks are good. Yeah. <laughs> you betcha. So, where we're, oh, we were talking about uh, Fort Lowell, and uh, they moved it over to, well, there was the other issue with Fort Lowell is um, soldiers were, all the bars hanging and, in the bars ladies, yeah, on exactly. Congress Street. And <laughs> so they, the command moved it over to uh, where its present site, thinking, well, they won't come now. And what happened? Pi Allen, who was later, I think he, I don't know if he was mayor then or not, but uh, Pi Allen set up a bar 
just off, just a little bit down Cross the road the <laughs> from uh, the entrance to Fort Lauderdale. <coughs> soldiers were happy. There you go. <laughs> government, yeah. government wasn't, but a whatever. Well, you know, an interesting too is like Fort Whipple, because it was the first temporary capital of Arizona Territory yes, before mm-hmm. it went, before uh, Prescott became the type. Right. Speaking was, of, they had the first operating telephone service there. Yeah. Yeah, they had there was a telegraphy uh, center. I mean, it was high tech. Yeah. Speaking of temporary <laughs> structures, when you were in, how many temporary buildings were you in? <laughs> oh, more than you can count. <laughs> my first, my first post was Fort Stewart, Georgia, and that was known as the original Camp Swampy from Beetle Bailey, and we were staying in uh, quarters that. Uh, were temporary from World War II. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they built those to last three years, uh-huh. and 50 years later, they were still in, there. Still in use. Well, yeah. I can remember for, remember for years out there on Prince by the extension farm, yeah. they had all the Quonset huts, yeah. which was uh, housing for the U of for the married couples. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, do you know what happened down at Fort Huachuca? They had the married couples housing duplexes during mm-hmm. World War II. And uh, in about 1980, a fellow named Sulger bought those up. They were supposed to be scrapped. Yeah. And instead of scrapping them, he had them moved to Whetstone, 11 miles north of the post. Mm-hmm. And he put them on, on one-acre lots up there. Why not? <laughs> and Entrepreneur. The ca- oh, county county <laughs> comes along and says, you got to bring them up to code. Nope. <laughs> and he doesn't do anything. Yeah. And uh, it goes on for years until finally the county gets frustrated and said, okay, you won't do it, we'll tear them down. The county gets in there and start tearing them down. What did they discover? Asbestos. Oh. What? Asbestos. Oh. Nice. Now they're stuck with the bill for asbestos remediation. Mm-hmm. They get all this stuff torn down. Mm. And uh, along comes Sulger and sues them. And not in a Cochise County Court. He came up here to Pima County. Uh, and we figured his total investment was around $20,000, land, drilling a well, uh, moving the houses, the whole bit. Uh, And he cleared $250,000 suing the county. That's the Western way. (laughs) Fort Huachuca, that's that's probably uh, still still active, but probably one of the more famous, if you will, uh, army posts of the uh, Indian War period, right? Would you agree? Yeah, it, it it certainly was uh, staging area. It staging was a staging area. area. I mean, just Geograph. We staged uh, the invasion of Mexico in mm-hmm. in 1915 out of, out of Fort Huachuca. Uh, I was going to say something, but I think it's another place. So I won't say until I know for sure. Okay. One, one of the one of the places was a staging area for guys going to the Philippines in the Spanish American War. Um, yeah. Um, That's interesting. It would probably have had to have been Huachuca. That's what I'm thinking, but I'm not sure. 1921, the 1st Cavalry Division, which you knew as the Air Cav in Vietnam, mm-hmm. they were formed in Douglas. Tents. Um, so, I mean, that, that whole area of the border was yeah. active. Oh, yeah. You you think, you figure, you know, from, from El Paso to Yuma, that was probably for... 
40, 50 years, the, probably the roughest part of the whole United States. Well, and Fort Bliss there in Texas, uh, right by the New Mexico border, it's also uh, goes into New Mexico. It sprawls there. Yeah, originally um, it was in New Mexico. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, yeah. that was that was a very important place, too, uh, until the Union lost it uh, during the war, Wawa between the states. Yeah. You yeah. know what was so neat? When we was when I was a kid, we would come down from Rio Dosa, go down to Juarez once a month to buy to buy stuff, you know, for the for the family. And as you were approaching into El Paso, about 15 miles out, on both sides of the road, for 15 miles or more, was nothing but tanks and trucks and jeeps, <laughs> all this stuff from World War II. Yeah. And there, there had to be tens of thousands of them there. Yeah. It was just, a, I, you know, as a kid at that time, man, I was just like, and I mean, we make the trip once a month, and I'd always be like, oh, wow. <laughs> well, you know, we all, all three of us here love history and uh, would love to see a lot of preservation, but obviously that costs a lot of money uh, to, to do to preserve that history. And I think probably what's been done is the best that can be done mm. as far as preserving these historical sites and without... You know, if you get the, the designation of being on the National Registry, mm -hmm. you get some more dollars and a little more kick. And then if you, you know, higher up, you get even more kick. So. I've, got a, I've got a theory, and I know a lot of people, especially preservationists, will probably want to tar and feather me. But it's like, you know, in the movie business now, uh, Westerns, Firearms, the most, the best there ever have been because of the Italian mm -hmm. reproductions. Oh yeah, and it's like I mentioned it at the ranch down there one time in a board meeting that they were talking about. Well, we've got, we can't, we can't go in there and fix it, but we can preserve it. Mm. And I said, you know, a Hollywood crew could come in here, tear this building down to the ground, <laughs> and in three months <laughs> put it back up. It would look exactly like it looked before that, and it would be all modern stuff, and you'd never know the difference. I said, so, because you, you look at Williamsburg. Mm -hmm. you, you, can't, you can't tell me that Williamsburg, is everything in Williamsburg is what it was there in 15-whatever, 16 something. It's all new materials. They got steel. They hide. They hide uh, steel beams with wood posts around them. It's well, just... the, the key. The key is to you have to do any remodeling, as it were, by uh, uh, with the stand the Secretary of the Interior standards. And I mean, you know, every good bureaucracy thrives off its paperwork. And mm -hmm. man, we got a great one here. Oh, we got uh, the greatest bureaucracy with, in the with world. That, uh, <laughs> Where I worked at Fort Taylor in Key West, a National Historic Site, if you wanted to put a nail into the mortar, man, you had to get, it had to go up the chain of command all the way to Tallahassee. And you probably couldn't pre-tap the hole either oh, no, because no, that's no. modern. No, no, no. Yeah, Can't yeah. do that. No. So, I mean, you know, it, well, you're damned about, if you do and damned if you don't. Well, so go ahead. What about you know, Fort Mojave? <clears throat> That's an interesting one. Oh, yeah. I mean, we forget that the Mojave Indians really gave us some trouble. Mm -hmm. The Avapai as well. Yeah, that whole area was a trouble in the early days. Yeah. And um, you got all of these 49ers. Come, cause the southern route was the, the safest, especially in the wintertime. And so, you know, it was like, people don't never think about that. You know, like you mentioned it in your book. Uh, the Apache knew they were going through and not stopping, so they, they didn't bother them. Right. Practical people. Daily but, life on a fort was 
boring. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, some things that surprise you. Uh, in the clubs these guys organized and libraries. Mm-hmm. And you think of these guys as illiterate, but uh, oh, no, 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 an no. awful lot of them were middle-class kids mm-hmm. yeah. out looking for a good time. Of course, they got bored when they got out here because there were details. And uh, very often you had to build the fort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that took away from, you know, fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, life on the fort. Uh, fort Whipple, uh, they, had, they had a wonderful theatrics company that put on plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys organized bands. Yeah, the band, they were famous for their band, yeah. Yeah, and not just the regimental band, yeah. but bands organized. And, of course, fights would start over that because you had Germans <laughs> and... and uh, Italians Irish, and, yeah. and Irish. And Germans and the Irish. They had to squeeze a box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, it, That's the know. great thing about the John Ford movies. The, the Irish and the Germans were always fighting in the movies. <laughs> they were always fighting in real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, yeah. They'd fight over their music. Uh, coming west, the Irish have lots and lots of songs mm. about a poor Irish boy coming west who ends up at the end of the song getting hung. The Germans have lots and lots of folk songs about coming west, oh, really? and they end with an Irish boy getting hung. Hmm. Well, you know, you, you look <laughs> look at Brownsville, Texas. You know, they, they you know, where, where the rest of the Texans were, you know, walking on dirt floors and and playing little squeeze boxes and stuff. They were bringing in orchestras. Yeah, oh they yeah. Were, they were they, they had libraries. They, the Germans were really. You know, they, they didn't, well, they didn't mix one thing, you know, and they just established their own. That's great. Richard S. Hewell, he's captain out here at Fort Buchanan and then at Fort Breckenridge, uh, which is, that site's been reused, mm-hmm. repurposed over and over again. It was Camp Grant at one point. Uh, it was two forts during the Civil War. But uh, Ewell, who goes on to uh, fight under Stonewall Jackson mm-hmm. as his uh, deputy commander, and then takes over the Corps after yeah. Stonewall gets killed. We have to stop it there because okay. it's going to start. The <laughs> the commercial break is going to start. So on its own. On its own. We will be back right after these messages here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. It's not even... <laughs> Franzi's Voices of the West will be right back. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Tucson Estate Planning, where attorneys Ron Zach and Chanel Schmitz design estate plans to keep you out of court. There are so many people who say they do estate planning. What they're doing is they're just picking up forms. It's not a lot different than just going on and getting your own forms and filling them out. That causes a lot of problems. We know what goes to court. We know what problems come up. Zach and Schmitz, PLC. Estate planning attorneys you can trust. 520-664-3420 TucsonEstatePlanning.com Today, more than ever before, women are on the front lines of America's defense. 
These brave women struggle and sacrifice to help keep our country secure. They deserve to be recognized for their service as guardians of freedom. Please support the American Legion's efforts to serve the growing number of women veterans. Go to legion.org slash honorveterans to find out how you can help. It's Saddle Up Saturdays on VOW Radio. Starting at midnight Mountain Standard Time, you can listen to past voices of the West programs. Then at 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, tune in to the live stream of the voices of the West program. It all happens on Saddle Up Saturdays on VOW Radio. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. The end of the Civil War was near when quite accidentally A hero who sneezed, abruptly seized retreat and reversed it to victory His medal of honor pleased and thrilled his proud little family group on some blood was spilled, and so it was planned he'd command F troop. Where Indian fights are colorful sights, and nobody takes a bigot. F troop, because that's the real Ford, that's the real McCoy. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's it's you know, it's F troop for God's sake. We're back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. It's a uh, Saturday, and uh, we're talking with Doug Hawking about uh, forts. In Arizona, and we haven't really got to forts elsewhere. Well, we've covered a couple of forts elsewhere, but uh, by and large, we're just Fort we're, Verde. We're sticking to home here. How about Fort Verde, Camp Verde, Fort Verde. Yeah, yeah. Was, you know that was that again. That was a staging area, you know, because yeah. it was real important for gathering the forces to go out and and chase Indians that they could never catch. Well, that's where Crook launched out of to go after the Apache, the mm-hmm. Yavapai. And, mm-hmm. you know, I started talking about Yule for, uh, yes. for a reason. Oh, yeah. The first man to grow potatoes yeah. in Arizona. And uh, you couldn't get a potato here. Yeah. Uh, his men had gardens, and it was part of how yeah. he kept them healthy. Yeah. Uh, and occupied. And, and occupied. Yeah, you just could go down to the, the sutler and uh, give you a sack of potatoes. Uh, yeah, well, they couldn't transport them out no. here. It was just too far. Could you imagine the, the local Indians that have domesticated and they're coming into the fort and they're going, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> that it looks like a rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or something worse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it tastes terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Cook it. Yeah. yeah, they had an incredible company fund, like $2,000. Man. And uh, a, a library and their own instruments. Well, he he yeah. kept them busy. He kept them happy. There's yeah. a lot of camaraderie as well. I mean, uh, as as much as camaraderie as there could be, I guess. Well, you know, I think uh, there probably and, is no closer bond than the military bond. You know, well, guys yeah. in a unit. Yeah. Uh, because you know, you depend on each other. You know, right, you have each other's back. Well, you know, you're you, supposed to. Yeah, you know, it's not a matter of uh, right. Well, you know, you because if you don't get along, it it affects the whole unit. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I remember one sergeant major from the S three shop telling me that uh, if we actually go to war, as we go out the gate, I'm going to shoot the S <laughs> three. <laughs> <laughs> and conversely, when you had uh, had these uh, young infantry officers come back uh, from Vietnam and uh, you're running a, an admin section 
and they think they know how to do it much better, and they try and do it like combat. That, uh, that dog don't hunt. Sorry. <laughs> I educated more than one you army know, officer on how to do that sort of thing. You know, there was a tradition in the Navy. I was on an ASW staff, and we, we always have one or two ensigns. They were generally in the communications department. And the tradition was you never saluted an ensign. Oh really? Yeah, and you got away with it because you know the the you, we we had on that staff we had John Smith Thatch who developed the Thatch we was a fighter pilot technique against the Japanese. We had uh, Captain Pollock who, te- who was the first Navy pilot to fly the Skorsky helicopter, wow. and we had it was full of all of these hand picked officers. Hmm. We had one commander there, Lieutenant Commander Wirt, that was an Einstein. Hmm. But the, he was guaranteed he would never be promoted to co- uh, commander because responsibility. When you hit, hit commander, more responsibilities, yeah, right? Right, right? And the guy was literally an absent-minded professor. I mean, he'd leave classified <laughs> oh, stuff, gosh. you know. Oh. But it was amazing. You know, more officers than enlisted men. That's got to be fun. <laughs> Not. <laughs> In the waning moments that we have, what else can we? Uh, talk about uh, regarding forts uh, in Arizona and elsewhere. We know that they were set up to uh, establish to protect the folks around here and, and trails and, and whatnot. Yes, sir. This is a good one. I think you mentioned it. Presidio, Santa Cruz, de Torrente. Yeah. Torrente. Torrente, okay. Uh, they had uh, an early battle, the Battle of Torrente. Half of the garrison was killed. The commanding officer was killed. They never finished building the fort. And then, I think in 18-something, uh, the U.S. Army went in. It was there for about a month on that side with a camp. But, yeah, you know, the, the Apaches, the Spaniards did not do well with the Apaches. No, no, no. no. And there, there are tons of places in this state, at least, where, yeah, just like you mentioned, they set up shop for a month, and then they're out of there. But it still qualifies. I, I, when I was doing research for an article I did for the now defunct Southern Arizona News Examiner, it was essentially that. You know, it's like, well, where is this place? Oh, it doesn't exist anymore. Well, where was it? Well, it was here for about a month, and then they moved it over here. Okay. Well, I, I <laughs> you imagine I, going leave because back then yeah, he right. would often go on leave. He'd be gone for six months or two weeks leave, you know, because of travel time. Yeah. yeah. And come back and well, where's the camp? Yeah. Yeah, I did an archaeological dig at Fort Massachusetts, yeah. which was originally in Taos County, New Mexico, and then they moved it to uh, Colorado. It's now in Colorado wow. by moving the border. Yeah, yeah. How um, <laughs> they do those things? Amazing. They lost that fort three times. Yeah, you know, and it and during its life, eighteen fifty-two to fifty-eight. Uh, they abandoned it every winter. They leave six men behind yeah. to, to monitor the plate. Yeah, yeah. Always try to keep the fires going. <laughs> it, it got cold up there. Yeah, and they couldn't keep their horses. They couldn't feed their horses. And it's ninety miles from Taos. They couldn't keep supplies coming to these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once so, the snows them in, that's the end of it. Yeah, and yeah, you know, <clears throat> you mentioned the living history that you cover is in the uh, prior to the Civil War. There just aren't that many books out uh, about that period in our history. There's there's some fictions out there. Um, <clears throat> some some of your colleagues write some very good 
good yeah. stuff about that. Uh, but what is it? The romance of the cowboy that uh, doesn't allow us to to read or write about that I, particular era. You know, I. I I don't want to answer for you, but I think, you know, one of the things you see in the uh, Western writers of America is that they really do cover mm -hmm. all of that stuff. I know. But the problem is, is that, you know, the public, if they don't know about it and they don't develop an appetite and a, a taste for it, it's hard to sell it, you know, unless you got you got that great cover, you know, with the torn yeah. bodice and uh, Jane Russell in the haystack. Then people will buy it. <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons this show exists is to uh, help illuminate those kinds of things. What do you think? Well, it's a great era. I call it the wildest oh, awesome. west. Things later on, you know, the the gunfight at the OK Corral shocked people. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it wasn't a town that ate a man for breakfast. It no. was. Rather cosmopolitan. Well, it, yeah, it was the it was the after between St. Louis and San Francisco, it was the most cosmopolitan town. Yep. Opera House. They had they were bringing in oysters on ice. <laughs> I mean, they, these guys were living it up. Yeah, wine, yeah. best wine. Delmonico's and, yeah. and Tombstone. You know, mm -hmm. so. but uh, before the Civil War, you know, there's no reporters out there really. Mm -hmm. You got a few guys uh, like mm -hmm. Thompson Turner who are writing letters to the newspapers. Uh, but this is the backside of never out here. Well, you know what amazes me is because New Mexico was settled long before, even before the East Coast. And yet so little is written about the history of the state. And Arizona, you know, because the southern part, you know, Gaston Purchase, part of Mexico, it gets ignored because until it becomes part of the United States, we're not going to write about it. <laughs> well, there wasn't much happening. Yeah. There's, uh, there's, there's great stories. There's got to be, if not, if not uh, history, fiction. About a minute and a half left, Doug. What are you, what, are, what you working on now? Uh, well, uh, we're getting ready for uh, the Tucson Festival of Books. Yeah, we'll be uh, there. Hosting nine authors this year. Uh, we have some great people in our booth. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, we've got the. Uh, Western Writers of America conference right here at down. We'll awesome. be there too. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm hoping so. Yeah, yeah. and uh, oh gosh, we'll be like vultures. They're just <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll have I'll bring my cane with the other hook on it, and we'll just hook people in and <laughs> sit and shoot the breeze. Got something to say? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I have just finished up uh, a book and submitted it to the publisher. Oh, and I've already got my advance on it, so I'm just waiting for it to. Hit the uh, editor and uh, come back. Well, but looking it's forward to it. Terror on the Santa Fe Trail. Kit right Carson here. and the Hickory. Your books, oh, your books are so cool, and I, I really hope everybody will go to Amazon or to DougHawking.com, pick up some of his books and so forth. We're plumb out of time, and delightful. It's been great. I'd love. Thank you for being with us. And more fun than a sack full of squirrels. There you go. And bring some more <laughs> bacon when you uh, do it next time, if you will. Thanks. We will talk at you next time on Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. So long. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West.